0: to come to you this morning um, and talk to you about something that's near and dear to my heart. We're in the middle of our prayer and worship series. Isn't this cool, by the way? Mark and Laura Stevens did that for us, and uh, we love creative people here because um, some of us are not as much. So um, we're in the middle of our prayer and worship series, and so um, I, I went to Lyle and said I'd really love the opportunity to share Some things on my heart about worship with our church family. And so I'm going to try to talk fast and try to cram a lot of stuff in this morning and make it nice and neat when we get done. Okay? So I'm just looking at the clock right now. You're going to see 12 o'clock in this room. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. Okay? So just you want to put the clock down, put your phone down. We're tracking together. Okay? So just don't worry about it. Okay. Um But before we kind of launch out this morning with where I want to go and, and talking about worship. I want us to kind of come to some common ground on some things, okay? So I'm going to be putting some statements up on the screen here in just a second, okay? And these are what I think are hearty amen statements, okay? And so I I know we're the casual service, we're the contemporary service. That word amen is foreign to some of you, okay? If you grew up in the Southern Baptist Church, when the pastor or somebody said something that you agreed with, everybody in the church would say, Amen. Okay, good. So you all do know how to do that. Okay. So we're going to practice that a little bit. So as we put these these statements up on the screen this morning, if it's something that you agree with, okay, then I want you to give a good hearty amen this morning. Okay. Because I think we got to lay some groundwork before we can kind of keep tracking. Okay. So here's here's the first one. And it's that God's word is holy and perfect. Amen. amen right. We 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 believe this. This one of the first things that we come to uh, believe as a, as a follower of Jesus is that His Word is holy. It's set apart. It's sacred, and that it's perfect. It's inerrant. There's no mistakes in there. There's no need for a rewrite. There's no typos in there. God's Word is holy and it is perfect as it's been given to us. Okay. Here's the second one. God's Word has been, it is, and it will be true and applicable to our lives. Amen. Okay. We believe that God's word is not just a storybook. It's not just a a book of fables and good moral teachings and tales that we can pass down from generation to generation. We believe that God's word is applicable to our lives now. That we can go in it and we can find truth. We can find wisdom. We can find um, teachings that will help us to better live the life that he's called us to. Okay, Here's the third one. God's word is not ours to rewrite. Uh, That's a little less hardy. Okay, let's try that again. God's word is not ours to rewrite. Okay, here we go. That's what our culture wants to change right now. Right? There's a lot of people in our culture that will tell you today. I, yeah, I like the Bible. It's good. I like the stories in there. They're they're fun. I like the one about the boat full of animals. The one about the Lions Den's cool. Those are great stories. I, I like it. I think there's good moral teachings in there. But there's just some things about it that. That I just they kind of bother me, you know if we could change this, if we could rewrite this, if if maybe this verse wasn't written as harshly and it could be more inclusive of everybody, then I think I could really get behind the Bible that's not ours that's not our authority to rewrite god's word. and so as we look at god's word this morning, we find in Second Timothy when Paul's writing the, the, uh, his second letter to Timothy, he says this in chapter three. He says, all scripture is inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what's true and it's useful to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Right? This is what we believe as as followers of Jesus. That God's word is a gift to us that is beneficial to us and that we can use to help equip and teach ourselves how god would have us to live okay so we got to have that kind of common ground that we all are on the same page of yeah we're in agreement on that and as now that we're in agreement on that i want to look at what that book what god's word has to say to us about worship okay so if you want to be honest about it worship is still one of those words in the church that's kind of a lightning rod word okay when you hear the word worship what's the first thing that comes to your mind what word we're playing word association. I say word worship, you think singing, okay? We think singing, we think music, right? And, and I don't know if you've ever spent any time in a Baptist church. People got some opinions about music. People got some opinions about everything in the Baptist church, but especially about music, right? And I'm not, I'm not even talking about music right now. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. But worship is one of those words in the church that's a lightning rod. People... Say it all the time. I mean, you guys, every week, you come to our 1045 contemporary worship service, right? We use it all the time in the church. And it is one of those words that can still lead to some very colorful discussions at the lunch table or in the Sunday school classroom um, from week to week. And so I want us to kind of talk about, okay, well, hold on. This is a word we use all the time in the church. Let's look at, okay, what is worship? If we're going to talk about this this morning, we need to understand what is worship? We get our modern-day word of worship from an old English word that was pronounced worth-ship. Okay, worship. The old English word "worship," and what worship simply meant was it meant to assign value, or it meant to assign worth to something. So when we talked about our worship, we talked about what we what we chose to assign value, or what we chose to assign worth to. Okay. Being the English scholars we are, we just thought worship, that's kind of a mouthful. Let's just drop the TH and just say worship and that flows off the tongue a little bit better, right? So we've got this idea. Okay. Well, what is worship? Well, in its truest sense of the word, it's, it's simple. It's, it's, it's assigning value. It's assigning worth to something. Okay. And so here's, here's the first thing I want you to understand about worship. Worship is a choice. Worship is a choice, and here's what I mean by that. Our God, in all of His sovereignty and His love for us, He gave us all free will. We have the ability to choose in our lives who we love, what we treasure, what we value, how we spend our time, what we prioritize. God has given us that free will. If He didn't, if God forced us to love Him, He wouldn't be God, He'd be a dictator. That's not our God. Our God, he desires our love, he desires our affection, but he gives us free will to choose what we are going to value and what we are going to worship. So the first thing I want us to understand this morning, worship is a choice. In your lives, you get the opportunity to decide what you're going to value, what you're going to assign worth to. When we look at Scripture in just a second, you're going to see a pretty... Easy statement for where your, where your worship should go. But if we're all real together right now in this room, we all know that our worship goes a lot of different places. Okay? Because there's a lot of us living in SEC country, we value some certain institutions during certain seasons of the year. Some of us like the disgusting blue color on our team. Some want... To never see their team win and they put gold on. And then some teams want to be in the news for all the wrong reasons all the time and they wear orange. So when we assign value to these institutions, we assign value, we assign worth to them. We, we, we spend a lot of time hanging out and, and giving a lot of attention to those things. Some of us in our lives, we value our spouse, we value our kids, we value our job, we value our career. And it's not wrong to value those things, but we have to understand the difference between value and worship. Because when we talk about worship, something is always going to win. When you take two things and you put them up against each other, one of those two things is always going to rise to the top. And here's the question, okay, when we talk about our relationship with the Lord, when we talk about our worship for God, does that what rides, does it rise to the top? Or does it still get trumped by some things? If it gets trumped by some things, then it's not worship. Because worship is where we're going to assign our most value, our most worth to something. So the first thing I want you to hear this morning is worship is a choice. Here's the second thing, okay? Because when you look in the Old Testament, there's a couple of words, Hebrew words, that are used to describe worship. I am not skilled at translating Hebrew words. Okay, if I get up here and try to say Hebrew words to you, they will not be correct. Okay? So I'm not going to teach you a Hebrew word that... Lyle will then stand out in the lobby and correct everybody as you leave. Like, please don't say that because Jeff did not say that word correctly. Okay, So just know there are two words in Hebrew. Okay, If you really want to know what they are, go look them up. It's a homework assignment. Okay, There are two words in the Hebrew language that are often translated to our form of the word worship. The most popular one that is translated into the word worship paints this picture of bowing down. Worship is prostrating yourself. It's, it's humbling yourself. It's bowing yourself down at the feet of what you worship. The second word that we see that's often translated as worship gives a picture of, of serving, of working. And so both words we find in the Old Testament that are translated as worship, both are active words. They both involve action. Okay, so that's the second thing I want you to see this morning. Not only is worship a choice, but worship is active. Worship is active. It, it, it involves you choosing what you're going to worship, and then it involves you then finding a way to worship. It's not passive. I'm going to get at you for a minute. We got a second service in here. That you guys like to come to, and and generally why most people come to this service is either one of two reasons. Number one, some of you like the time better. But a lot of you come in here because you like the music better. It's more your style, it's more your preference. It's, It's kind of what you feel more comfortable with. If we come to this service because it has music we like, and all we do is listen, and we don't participate, that's not worship. That's like going to a concert. I can tell you this right now, nobody's going to pay me money to come hear me sing. I've not had any record deals call and say, hey, we, we need you. We're not here on Sunday mornings to do a concert. We're on Sunday mornings to lead worship. And the way that we together worship is it has to be active. You have to choose to come in here every Sunday morning and participate. Not spectate. Participate. Because worship is Active. It involves humbling ourselves. It involves assigning worth to something that's greater than ourselves. So not only is worship a choice, not only is worship active, here's the third thing, worship is sacrificial. It requires sacrifice. Does anybody know where the first time the word worship is used in Scripture? It's in Genesis. It's in the 22nd chapter, and this is what it says. It says, Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther we will worship there and then we will come right back. You guys know this story. At this moment in the story, does Abraham know what's going to happen? Does Abraham know that God is preparing to plant, to provide a ram for him? There's no clue. All Abraham knows in this moment is that God has called him to take his only son, the son that he waited forever for, to the mountain and to sacrifice him back. And Abraham describes that action as worship. Sacrifice. I can tell you this right now. I, I was, when being in LA last week and Crystal was in Knoxville, I've been away from Lincoln, my four month old, for a week. That feels like a month when they're that little. Like I felt like I hadn't seen them in forever. You know, it's just one of those things when you think about this story and you put yourself in that position. God saying, hey, that son that you waited so long for, I need you to sacrifice him back to me. Man, I'd have a real hard time, guys, looking at that as worship. But yeah, here we see Abraham say, no, worship requires sacrifice. When we come in here together, when you're at, on your own time worshiping, worship is going to cost you something. It's going to cost your time. It's going to cost your energy. It's going to cost Sometimes your finances. Sometimes it's going to cost nothing more than just your voice. But worship is to be sacrificial. So that, that's what worship is. Worship is us choosing to ascribe value and worth to something. It's us choosing to be active in proclaiming that. And it's choosing to be sacrificial in how we demonstrate it. So if that's what worship is, then how do we do it? right? How do we, how do we go about worship? Okay. So remember when we all agreed a few minutes ago that God's word is not ours to rewrite? Just keep remembering that, okay? Let that kind of just marinate because I may start stepping on some toes in a minute, okay? Worship starts with the motivation of our heart. So we got some car guys in here, right? Mark's in here. We got some car guys, okay? What is the most important part? If you're going to have a car and it needs to go somewhere, what has to be in that car? You got to have an engine, right? Okay? Engine, that engine, that's the motive. That's what makes the car go. And and worship is our motivation. It's our engine. What starts in our heart, it's what motivates us, right? But if all you have is an engine, you can crank that sucker up. If that's all you got, where is it going? It's going nowhere, right? you got to put that engine... ...on a frame, and that frame's got to have some wheels on it, and that's how we're going to take our worship and we're going to go somewhere with it. So we've got to find a way to take the motivation to worship God that's in our heart or that hopefully is in our heart, and we've got to find a way to take that and make it go. So how do we do that? Well, Psalm 9-1 tells us this. It says, there it is, I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all the marvelous things you have done. So how do we put our worship into action This other fun word that we hear all the time with worship, right? Praise. Praise is how we take the motivation of our heart and we let it escape and get out from us. Okay? So, all right. Praise. So how do we do that? Here's where it gets fun. Did you know that God has given us a lot of options when it comes to praising him? Options that are accepted and that are encouraged. Okay? I'm going to walk you through them real quick. Here's the first one. Singing, and, and I couldn't even list all the scriptures that tell us to sing to the Lord right here, so I'm just giving you a little handful, okay? Some of you are in here like, man, I don't sing. I don't have a good voice. I can't hit the right notes it does not matter. God has commanded you to sing to the Lord. When you fully understand who God is and what He's done for you, you will not be able to it tells us you, you won't be able to keep silent. You've got to proclaim it. Some of you come in here and you like the service because the music's a little bit louder, it's a little bit darker, and you think you can just kind of blend in. That's not worship. When I stand back there in the back, you know whose voices I should hear coming into that room? It shouldn't be the band. Yeah, they're they're loud sometimes. Yeah, they are loud sometimes. Don't worry about it. They are loud sometimes. But let me tell you this, there's a whole lot more of you than there are people up here. We should drown them out every week. Well, you're singing a new song this week. Yeah, we are. Scripture tells us to do that. Psalm 96, Psalm 98. Well, you're singing an old song this week. Yes, we are. Colossians 3 tells us to do that. So we're going to do a little bit of both. But when we have the opportunity, sing. When's the last time you sang so loud that you lost your voice? When's the last time you sang so loud that your voice cracked? When's the last time you sang so loud that somebody turned around? And looked at you. If it hadn't been a while, you ain't singing. Let's go. Singing praises is acceptable. Here's the next one. Um, praising with instruments. You guys don't have a problem with this. We, we kind of had a heart-to-heart with first service a little bit about it. And they were good. They were good. God tells us in Scripture several times, praise him with instruments. Whether it's a piano, whether it's drums, whether it's keys. That's why we kind of have a little bit of everything up here. God welcomes his praise to, through the different talents that we have. There's a reason why the church did not hire me as the church pianist. Because I don't know what I'm doing over there. All the keys look the same. Half of them are white and the other half are black. Now, I don't know what they are. Color coordinating them, I might be able to play it. I'm so thankful we have people who are gifted that way. But I can praise God through playing a guitar. There's nothing wrong with instruments. We know that. That's why you're in this service. I'm going to move on. Here's the next one. This is where we're going to start getting fun, right? Shouting praises to God. You know that's an accepted, encouraged way of praising him? When's the last time you just let a shout out in church? How's that going to go over? Right? Everybody, what's going on? When's the last time you shouted at your TV during a ball game? When's the last time you shouted at the ball field, parents? As a referee this year, when's the last time you shouted at an official? Man, we'll turn our shouts loose to everybody but God. We find in Scripture that there's nothing wrong with being so filled with joy and love for the Lord that we shout to him. We shout praise him. Here's the next one. Clapping is praise. God has given you two built-in instruments at the end of your arms. They go together like this, Right? If I told you while, that while we were out in LA that we had met somebody, a businessman who wanted to donate a million dollars to our church this year, what would you think you would do? Oh, praise God. Yeah. We'll take that. Sure. We did not. We did not. It's very true. We, we, we did not. So we'll clap for all kinds of stuff. We'll clap for, you know, we'll clap for things that aren't really in that good. Have you ever been to an elementary school, like music performance? It's not good. If we're if we're judging on musical quality, it's not that good, guys. Let's get real. You know, we'll clap for all kinds of stuff. But then we get in church and it's time to applaud the maker of the universe, and we we can't do it. Well, somebody might look at me. Okay. That's on that's on them. This is your worship time with the Lord. Here's the next thing raising hands. Asking questions in church, right? That's what a guy at our church always used to joke around when somebody'd raise their hand. Oh, that guy's got a question. <laughs> or you got the other people, they see somebody raise their hand. Oh, that person got filled with the Spirit today. Okay. Good. Why do we come together? To be filled with the Spirit. Here's why we like this position right here. We like this position right here. Because this is comfortable. This says I'm in control. Everything's nice and tight and needy and and then I I don't have to worry about anything. You know what this says? This says vulnerability. This says surrender. You know where you most likely will see this, this, this posture right here? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn the hands this way instead of this way. Okay. Yes. If I'm like this, I'm being arrested. Okay. Okay. (laughs) If I make the subtle change of just, Turning the hands this way. Where are you going to see this? Yeah, go downstairs. Go downstairs here in about 15, 20 minutes and watch parents pick up their kids. And you will see kids doing this because it's mommy, daddy. This is us just saying, Father, God, we need you. Here's the next one. Dancing. Baptist Church, right? I told Lyle, i got my resignation letter ready. Okay, so don't <laughs> worry about it. Now, we also are not going to work up a dance routine anytime soon up here, so y'all rest assured, okay? But when you see kids, when you see kids just in the purest form of joy, what do they often do? They just dance around. When's the last time you were just filled with so much joy from the Lord and his presence that you just kind of did a little jig? You know? There's nothing wrong with it. It's accepted. It's encouraged. Here's the last one. Bowing down prostrating yourself there's so many times in our lives guys that the, the what we really need to do is we really just need to quit trying to act like everything's okay and we just need to hit our knees and we just need to fall before the lord as an act of worship not as an act of i'm a terrible person not as an act of my life is worthless as an act of god i can't control this and i give it to you And we've got such a stigma attached to, well, if I do that, people are going to wonder. Man, people are wondering anyway. We've got to get to a point where we don't care what people are wondering about. We care about what our Father thinks. All of those are accepted forms of praise. How many of those do you do on your own normally? That's that's your own personal question. Some of you, maybe one or two, maybe three. But a lot of times, for a lot of us, it's just one. Well, I'll sing, but that's about as... Comfortable as I feel. Man, we are missing out on the opportunity to worship and experience the Lord. Last couple things here, and I'm moving on. So what is worship? Worship is assigning worth. It's assigning value. It's choosing to actively worship. It's choosing to actively sacrifice. How do we do that? Well, there's lots of ways we can do that. Lots of ways that we can put praise to our worship. And there's two important places that this has to happen in our lives. And the first one is personally We have to personally worship the Lord. If the only times we are worshiping God is on Sunday mornings, man, we are not going to be healthy. We are not going to be spiritually healthy. There's just no way around it. We've got to be doing these things in our own personal life behind closed doors where nobody sees us. We've got to be able to say, behind closed doors, I'm singing, I'm praising, I'm hitting my knees, I'm raising my hands to the Lord, I'm serving, I'm doing everything that I can to keep my personal worship life healthy. Why do we do that? Well, it's pretty simple to me because in John chapter 14, Jesus tells us four different times in that chapter, if you love me, obey my commandments. If you love me, obey me. We've seen throughout Scripture that giving honor and glory to God, worshiping God, is what he wants us to do. If we love him, we'll do what he wants us to do. My wife will tell you that right now. Right? One of the ways I show her that I love her is I do what she wants me to do. When she says, vacuum the house. Amen. I know that, right? When she says, please pick your clothes off the floor of the living room. I know we're the only two people living here, but you never know when someone's going to pop in. I tell her no one ever does that, so it's fine. But I still know that to make her happy, I need to pick my stuff up. And I love her, and I want her to know that I love her, so I need to do what she asked me to do. God says the same, I'll know that you love me by obeying me. Do what I've asked you to do. When we get healthy in our personal worship... We bring that here, and we help to the overall health of our corporate worship. Here's the thing about corporate worship. God has made each one of us in here different. There's a lot of variety in this room. many, some, some of you in here like jazz music. Some of you like classical. Some of you like country. Some of you like rock and roll, like old rock and roll, not the new rock and roll. Some of you like rap. Some of you may like polka, who knows, right? Closet polka fans. God has made each of us different, okay? And there's, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that, that He's made us different. But here's, here's the kicker, right? That we have to understand that our upbringing and our traditions and our preferences can sometimes play a negative role in the corporate worship of the church. What I mean by that is this. If you feel more comfortable with singing hymns in our early service, there's nothing wrong with that. If you feel more comfortable singing songs that are newer in this service, there's nothing wrong with that either. If you prefer a piano to a guitar, that's fine. If you prefer a live piano to a keyboard, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with our preferences and variety until we get so set on our preferences being validated as right. I told the first service this. There's no difference in us in 830 service singing amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. We sing that to God be the glory. It's no different than when we come in here in 1030 and we sing, this is amazing grace. This is unfailing love, that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross. The thing that's consistent between, the the thing that has to be consistent is what we are worshiping. Who we are worshiping. Our purpose of our worship. It doesn't matter our style. It doesn't matter our preference. Those get checked at the door. So here's my last point for you. And it's this. Is that worship is not for us. It's for God. I don't know if you guys have ever been to a birthday party, right? I, I've, I've never been to a birthday party and been able to go in and request changes. Going to the birthday party? Oh, they got vanilla cake. Mm. So, hey guys, sorry. Can we can we switch that out for some chocolate cake? That's, I like that better. Oh, we got the green punch. Oh, can we get the orange punch or even the red punch? That's better. You don't go to somebody else's birthday party and start making demands on. Well, I'm more comfortable with this. This is what I prefer. It's not your party. Worship corporate worship is not your party. That's our celebration of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's our celebration of the Alpha and the Omega. It's our celebration of our Jesus who gave his life as a ransom for me. Romans 5.8, I know I skipped it, but I want to go back to it, John. Romans 5.8 says this. is about toward the front. It says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us. While we were, while we were still sinners. He's the only person who's ever done that for me. My mama loves me. My daddy loves me. They've never given their life for me. And may, maybe they might be willing to when I was acting, acting right. Parents, we know that, right? They definitely didn't do it while I was still a sinner. So before I even proclaimed God, before I even proclaimed that Jesus was Lord, before I even even admitted to the world that Jesus is who he said he was, he died for me. He's the only person that's done that for me. In my life, it's very easy for me to know who I need to worship. He's the only person that's ever taken that step for me. He is the only one that's worthy of my worship. Now, I'm not saying I, I worship perfectly. Lord knows I don't. But that is what I need to keep at the forefront of my worship. Who am I here to worship? Not what songs are we singing, not what's Lyle preaching on today, not, oh, my goodness, we've already gone over an hour. My stopwatch is already beeping at me. Every time we get a chance to come here and worship together on a Sunday morning, it's an opportunity for us to join our voices in praise and say, God is good. And I just want to ask you, I I want to ask you, because I have to ask myself this. How many Sundays do you come in and just go through the motions? Man, wouldn't it be fun? Wouldn't it be awesome to see what God's Spirit would do in this place if all of His people came in here with one heart and one mind, and that was to worship Christ the King. I don't think it would be a boring Sunday morning. I think we would see the Spirit of God move in ways... That we could not explain. So the man's going to come up. And they're going to close our time together. And they're going to sing a song I asked them to sing. A simple song that says, here's my heart, Lord. The heart is where we keep and treasure our most important things in our life. If you have a spouse, they have your heart. If you have kids, they have your heart we sing and proclaim in this place, God, here is my heart, Lord. I give it to you. You are now the holder of what I treasure. You are now the one who is in possession of my deepest longings, needs, worries, concerns. I give them all to you because you are worthy of worship. This morning, you may be thinking, "Who? what are you talking about, man? I've heard a few things about Jesus I've never had the chance to really sit down And, and, and know about this person That you're talking about Worshipping like this We would love to talk with you About who Jesus is And why he is worthy of your worship And why he is worthy of your life So, If you don't know Jesus Please come We'd love to talk to you this morning And introduce you to the King of Kings And the Lord of Lords Some of you may be here And you've been you've been visiting the church And you say, hey, hold on I like that. I I want to be a part of a church that is going to worship the Lord, that is going to glorify the Lord, that is going to seek the Lord on Sundays and on Wednesdays. I want to plug into this church family. Come on. We want you. We need you. But I have a feeling that a lot of us in this room have been walking with Jesus for years. We've been living the Christian life for years. And one of the areas in our life that's just kind of gotten dusty is our worship. Because we're tired, we're busy, we're pulled a hundred different directions. And in all that busyness, we lose sight of the only one who is worthy of all of our praise and all of our love. And I don't know about you, it hurts when someone that you love forgets about you. It hurts When someone that you love disconnects from you. And I just think about that this morning, man. How many times have I hurt the heart of my father because I haven't worshipped him like I should? So this morning, it may be a time you just need to come and you just need to praise the Lord. You need to bow. You need to put your hands up. You need to clap. You need to shout to the Lord. Whatever it is you need to do this morning. To reignite that worship lifestyle with the Father. We're doing this new schedule change next week. Or two weeks from now, sorry. Not next week. Two weeks. Because we're excited about the growth that we think God is going to do. And I believe, and I know Lyle believes, we we truly believe 100% that that growth will not happen if our church does not worship the Lord in spirit and truth. And if our church does not seek him in prayer, and it can't just be one of us, it can't just be a handful of us, it's got to be the whole of us. You've got to bring strong personal worship into this place so that you can add to the strong corporate worship of God's house. So as the band comes this morning, I'm going to pray for us. And I just ask you to respond as you feel godly and you respond this morning.